0: Welcome to the Monitor Sports Podcast. Eric Rinslow-Bell here with Dan and as we approach the final week of basketball and hockey playoffs. We had some first round and quarterfinal matchups last week that Dan and I will break down as well as preview the teams that advance to semifinals that will be Tuesday and Wednesday this week, depending on the sport. So Dan, now let's start with, I think the 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 division that has the most local teams that was D2 Boys in the playoffs. Um a busy week for uh several but we'll start with Pembroke the uh, the two seeds. So they only played one game that was Friday and beat number 10 Kennett 60 to 36 to advance to the D2 semifinals that will be played at Sanborn High School on Tuesday. They will face Number 14, Oyster River. Uh, we'll talk about Oyster River in a second. But um, as for Pembroke on, on Friday, Mike Strazeri led the way with 20 points, also had seven steals in that game. Joe Fitzgerald had 16 points. Sean Dell Hadley had eight rebounds. Contrary to a lot of the other games featuring area teams, there was really never a doubt that Pembroke w- was going to lose, uh, was going to win this game. I mean, was not going to win this game. They came out, they, 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 they didn't score. I think maybe the first two and a half minutes, they are trying to kind of figure out how to work against Kenneth's two, three zone. But after they figured that out, it was pretty smooth sailing from there as somewhat evidenced by the 24 point margin of victory. But, you know, for, Co- uh, for Pembroke, you have to feel good about this. I mean, their team that we've talked about on the podcast all season, they've had high expectations since the start and getting not only getting a win, but getting a convincing win to get your playoffs underway has to be pretty good, just confidence wise for them moving ahead to the semifinal.
1: Yeah, and they're one of the few teams in the division that's really taking care of business. We saw a lot of big seats fall early in Division two boys action, um, a lot of really close games. Uh, Oyster River, who they're playing in the semifinals. They upset so Oyster River number 14. Upset South on a buzzer beater. They won that 48 to 45. Um, Oyster River upsetting number six, Cobrown, Brown, 40 to 36. Both of those wins coming on the road, uh, on the road for Oyster River. Um, number 10, Kennett who Bem- uh, Pembroke just beat. They upset number seven, Conval. Um, yeah. Number four, man, not really a huge upset, but uh, number four, Manchester West falling to the number five. Um, Pelham by 20 points, number eight Merrimack Valley took it to uh, the Laconia and, and number one Laconia and almost beat them. So um, I would agree if if you're Pembroke, they're one of the few teams um, that have sort of performed to their seed and played the way that you would expect an, a, a team of that high seed to play. Um, so certainly feeling pretty good about Pembroke and where they're at right now. So again, Pembroke will play Oyster river,
0: the 14 seed in the D two semifinal on Tuesday. Now, Dan mentioned that Oyster river beat co Brown and, uh, Sauhegan, the six and three seeds respectively, uh, mentioned, uh, my, Pembroke head coach, Mike Denell mentioned, you know, Oyster river after their win on Friday. And he said, look, like, you know, they were 5-13 and 13 at the end of the regular season. They're not 5-13 and 13 anymore. I mean, this is a team that you can't say it's fluky necessarily now because they've done it twice. So um, one thing that we should uh, talk about, we'll, we'll get to Cole Brown in, in a second, but Oyster River did have the benefit of familiarity with Cole Brown when, when the two teams played on Friday night. That won't be the case uh, on uh, Tuesday when Pembroke and Oyster River uh, match up because they did not uh, face, they, they face each other once in the regular season, P- Pembroke won 73, 48, but it's not the same level of rivalry that Oyster River has with Cole Brown. So, uh, but even still should be, should be an exciting matchup at Sanborn on Tuesday, Pembroke, the only remaining D two team in the area for boys basketball. Uh, but Cole Brown season seed came to an end on Friday, losing Oyster River 40 to 36. Uh, the bears had beaten number 11, Bo 70 to 50 on Wednesday. And uh, Hugh Hamilton had a great game on Wednesday, 24 points senior for Cole Brown. So Cole Brown season comes to an end. It, it was a good year for Dave Smith's team. Uh, you know, they, played pretty well. They pushed Pembroke to overtime in the last regular uh, the second their second to last regular season game. Uh they had a lot of talented players on that roster, mentioned Hugh Hamilton. They had a couple other players that could score and uh disappointing finish to their season because I think they probably thought they were capable of getting to a getting to the final four, but they're they're going to fall one one round short of that.
1: Yeah, I did not uh... Have very little intel on what happened in that Oyster River Co-Brown game. I did see some highlights. It looked like what Oyster River was able to do effectively was they just packed the box and didn't let Co-Brown get clean looks near the basket. Uh, made them take sort of awkward mid-range shots and and shots from deep that weren't landing. Um, but also, I mean, Oyster River—it's a huge rivalry. They packed Co-Brown's gym, um, and they had a very ruckus uh, fan section that I think really made a big difference and you know we'll see what happens I think Pembroke is a team that shoots really well from the outside so I think what worked for Oyster River in previous games won't work the same way against a team like Pembroke but but again they're number 14 seed playing in the final four. They almost didn't even make it in the tournament. They got in on the, on a tiebreaker. There's a bunch of other teams at 5-13 and 13 as well. So they're playing with house money. I mean, they can they can come out playing really hard with absolutely nothing to lose, and they've already upset two teams. So, you know, this is way better than I think they were expecting. So, you know, why not? They're, so they're going to go for it. So I expect it'll still be a good game. Um, but I, I think a, a favorable matchup for... Uh, for Pembroke based on what, what I know. Um, but yeah, I mean, you, you don't, the best team doesn't necessarily win at all, but it it who's the better team that day is, uh, is what it comes down to in the playoffs. And
0: that's something Pembroke has been reminding each other every, every, every game, because they know that if they want to win a championship, they cannot overlook any opponent. And that will continue on Tuesday. So co season comes to an end after losing Oyster River. Mentioned that Co-Brown beat Bo, another area team that finished the season 9-10. and 10. Uh, But this is a group that, that might have some reason to feel optimistic looking ahead to the future. Talking to Bo head coach Scott Drapo after the loss. He was very complimentary of what he got, especially from his freshmen uh, on the roster, particularly Jake Reardon and Brendan O'Keefe both freshmen thrust into maybe bigger roles than expected earlier in the season because of injuries. Um, and Bo had also graduated a good number of seniors off of last year's team. So uh, Bo had competed with some good teams in the division. Couldn't quite hang with Cole Brown for a full four quarters, maybe about two and a half quarters. That game was closed before Cole Brown pulled away. Uh, but Bo and other area boys basketball team whose season came to an end this past week. And then, Dan, you mentioned before Merrimack Valley, the eighth seed on the Division II side. I want to talk first about their Wednesday game, the 8-9 game against uh, Lebanon. Buzzer-beating victory for them, 36-34. Definitely maybe the ugliest basketball game I've seen. I've been to a good number (laughs) of them this year. And if you liked offense, this was not a game to be at. MV made Two field goals in the first two quarters, scored ten points in the first half, but was able to hold a Lebanon pretty much pretty well at bay uh, to, to hang around, and then ultimately went on a run in the second half, mostly because of Buddy Eddie, who hit the game-winning layup. He had twenty-one of MV's thirty-six points in that game, so that was an ugly one. It, it looked like Merrimack Valley was doing everything it could to lose that game. But as uh, head coach Tim Moucher said afterwards, you got to find a way to win games ugly in the playoffs. And I guess you could say that they did figure out a way to do that. But then on Friday, pushing number one Laconia really to the wire required overtime for Laconia to win that game. 61-57, MV trailed at halftime by seven. And then Brendan Duquette hit a three for MV to tie the game with 22 seconds left in regulation. So. Coming on the heels of Wednesday's performance, I think Friday's was encouraging from the perspective of they didn't have that same hangover, uh, or not hangover, but just really sluggish start that we saw Wednesday. But it's also got to be agonizing for MV because their season comes to an end. They were this close to beating the number one team on the road.
1: Yeah, I spoke with Coach Lucher after the game. I, you know, turned it on just because I was like, well, I'll keep an eye on it in case, you know, MV makes a – Makes a game of it, and and was very entertained by by the game and and how it played out. Envy played very well. Their main downfall was Laconia has one of the best players in the division, who's uh, Keaton Beck, a six-five center, and he just dominated on the boards. I had Laconia at thirty-eight rebounds to MV's twenty, a uh, fourteen-to-two uh, advantage in offensive rebounds, and and. 21 points and 22 rebounds. I counted for Keaton Beck, um, and really it was those second chance points and and that presence around the rim that I think ultimately um, did them in. Um, but I mean, the played really hard. They forced a lot of turnovers. They moved the ball well. They you know, did did everything they could to win that game. But, it, you know, I think you're just going up against a very, very strong opponent and the number one seed. Very, very packed gym, it looked like, based on the video that I saw. Um, and really loud fan sections for both teams. So it really had a nice playoff atmosphere. Um, you know, I think – and Coach Butcher is proud of how they – proud of how they did, especially coming off of, you know, sort of a, a lackluster performance in the prelims, you know, to push the number one seed to overtime, um, you know, was, was impressive. And I don't know if we can say this about any other team necessarily, but Merrimack Valley was in, every single game that they played this year, they either won the game and th- their average, I calculated their average margin of loss for the the eight losses that they had 4.8 points. I mean, they, this is a team that was basically within single digits, every single game, you know, whether the, you know, the winning side or the losing side. So um, I know envy loses a couple of, of key pieces, um, due to graduation this year, but I mean, really a, a strong season for Merrimack Valley and they, you know, they were very close to producing another upset. Yeah. You, you kind of got to what I wanted to mention was the,
0: you know, the, 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 the narrow margin of defeat that MV had all season. I think probably, you know, obviously again, good season for them, but it, it has to feel a little bit like a, well, could have, should have, because, as you said, they they're losing a few seniors, so it's not like this is a young team that you know was you know didn't have a lot of experience trying to win close games. They're going to have a younger roster next year and maybe have to rebuild a little bit. So maybe this year a little bit of a missed opportunity. Looking back, of course, Division Two had a lot of really good teams, so hard to fault. You know, everybody can't be at the top. Somebody's going to have to drop toward the middle. But Envy um, had a lot of chances. And still, you know, pushing number one team on the road to overtime is nothing to be disappointed about. But you know, when you get to when you get to this time of the season, every team wants to be hoisting that trophy at the end. So, still doesn't take away from the sting of of having a season come to an end. Now, speaking of overtime, Dan, I know you were at a very exciting overtime game in the Division Four boys playoff side last week.
1: So I had tweeted when I was there that this was a top three game that I've covered in 10 years, 11 years at the monitor. This is probably a top two. Th- looking back at it now, this is a double overtime game, three buzzer beaters, uh, number six, Holy Family, Upsetting number two, Conquer Christian 86 to 84 to advance to the Division IV final that was played today. Uh, Woodsville uh, winning its third consecutive championship with a victory over Holy Family, but it's such an exciting. Semifinal. These are two teams that know each other very well. It was a rematch of last year's semifinal that Conquer Christian won. Uh, Conquer, uh, th- they had won that one by 17. Uh, and then two very close games in the regular season that the two teams had. Um, so it was, oh, man, such a good game. Eves um, Mugiraneza, with all three buzzer beaters, a de- a very deep three. I, I guessed maybe 35 feet kind of based where he was on the floor. Um, but a very deep three to send it to overtime, um, uh, a drive to the basket that hit the window and went in uh, to force another one, and then uh, kind of a floater, um, in the lane that hit back iron and and bounced in after that it was, it was just the place went nuts i mean the place went absolutely nuts it was such a cool atmosphere to be a part of heartbreaking for conquer christian because this is a group of seniors they have a lot of seniors on that team they made a championship game last year and and lost a close one to woodsville and i think there's kind of a sense that this was their year they had that soccer championship in the fall and and this is a really hardworking group that's played together for a very long time. And um, I mean, Brody, Frank, 48 points and 17 rebounds and conquer Christian still loses that game. So uh really a fantastic game. I mean, both teams really relied on their starting five and maybe one key sixth man that came in. So really it was good quality basketball between us, some, some excellent players. And again, probably that and, the Concord girls hockey semifinal win over Hanover in 2020 are probably the two most exciting things that I've ever games I've ever been at. Um, so this is a really, it was a really good game uh, and didn't go in conquer Christian's favor, but I mean, nothing, nothing to be ashamed of. They did everything they could. And, and the thing about the, the, all of the buzzer beaters really was Eves was very well guarded on all of them. I mean, he he was pretty deep. Um, almost had the ball stolen before he made that deep three. Um, almost had uh, the ball stolen again uh, as he was before he was weaving through traffic to get the second buzzer beater. And then there's a ball six oh three. Has a great photo of the of the game winning buzzer beater where Brody Frank has his arm out and he's really high up, and it was just a very contested shot. Um. So it was a really exciting game. Uh. Was you know was happy for for Holy Family, but you know, obviously a heartbreaking loss for uh for Conquer Christian. So that was uh, that was my start to the week. Was that that Monday night? It was a very exciting way to start a week of playoff coverage. Um. But I and I think based on what I had heard from other reporters who were there and other members of the media who who cast a wider net as far as covering stuff across the entire state, not just the capital area. This was probably one of, if not the best game in play history as far as basketball goes. It was very exciting. So uh yeah, good stuff from Division Four. Doesn't matter how big the schools are, if it's a good game, it's a good game. That
0: is true. Uh so that uh wraps up our boys basketball playoff talk again Pembroke is the only team still standing in the area from division 2 and will play on Tuesday night against Oyster River on the girls D2 side uh, number 1 bow beat rival number 8 Pembroke for the third time this season winning 57-36 on Saturday evening Pembroke had beaten number 9 Merrimack Valley 47-39 on Wednesday to advance to Saturday's quarterfinal and uh, Bo will now face number five Laconia in the semifinals on Wednesday, a team that Bo beat uh, 40 to 28 on January 18th, which is somewhat notable because that 12 point margin of victory for Bo is their tied for their second narrowest this season. So Laconia, one of the few teams that has kept Bo close, but even on Saturday, I mean. Pembroke was one made field goal away from being the team that scored the most points on Bo all season. And yet the Spartans still lost by 21 points. Now, Bo is kind of one of those teams where if the Falcons come out and play, like they did last night with intensity and focus, you're not beating them. I mean, they're just too fast and too athletic and, I mean, Pembroke had, I think, eight turnovers in the first six minutes of action and trailed 16 to two at the end of the first quarter. Can't dig yourself that type of a hole. Um, So uh, Pembroke head coach Steve Langevin was saying that basically that was, you know, the two things they couldn't do were give the ball away and miss open shots. And they did both of those things early in particular. And it just kind of dug them a hole that was too big to to overcome. But. We we talked about this a little bit on the podcast last week, Dan, with Pembroke. Like, it's kind of been all you know, bonus for them getting to a quarterfinal because they did not expect to get this far. A lot of young players didn't really know exactly what to expect aside from Annalise Dexter, their top player, who returned for her junior season this year, but didn't really know what else was coming back um, and how everything was going to gel. But they kind of hit their stride maybe about eight games into the season and. They they only have one senior on this year's roster show. Everybody else is coming back. And uh, something coach said after the game yesterday uh, on Saturday was, you know, we see, like, if we want to get to where Bo is, we see now how Bo approaches the game and how hard they work and the intensity they play with. That's what we need to do if we want to get there. So it, it was honestly, I think the first playoff game in any sport that I've covered uh, with the monitor where, there weren't tears very visible at the end of the game because they're all, they all have another chance next year Yeah, and maybe two years down the road. So uh, Pembroke loses, but uh, both teams, I guess, can feel decent about how their seasons have gone. Pembroke season comes to an end. Bowes will continue on Wednesday.
1: Yeah, no, it was a great season for Pembroke. Uh, definitely, I think outperformed where maybe they expected where a lot of other people expected them to finish. And as you mentioned, they've got a young team with um, most of them coming back for another season or two. Um, so that sets up Bo for a number uh, that will be against number five, Laconia, in Wednesday's semifinal. Laconia, a team that uh, was one of Bo's closer games. Bo won that one 40-28 to 28, um, in a, a very defensive battle. I would assume that, and again, I have no insight. This is purely my conjecture. I would assume that, that w- we would see another game like that again, that with a team as defensive minded as Bo um, and and knowing that you're not going to be able to score on them in bunches, I would imagine that it would be a pretty low scoring, um, a fairly low scoring game. I don't think any team is matching Bo if Bo, you know, creeps up into the high forties in in points. I don't know if another team is going to, is going to be able to match. Well so far, no one's been able to match that. So I think the key is to keep it, Know, kind of slow the pace down and keep it low scoring, or at least as as best you can as a team um, like Bo that likes to press the ball and and likes to run it. Um, But yeah, it was a good, I mean, it was one of Bo's closer matchups earlier this season. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes. Um, Laconia is a team that, you know, is taking care of business so far. They beat John Stark by 15 points in the prelims, they uh, upset Hanover uh, on their home floor in the quarterfinals. It's a five over four, which isn't a huge upset, but Hanover previously undefeated at home this season. So uh, Laconia, the only team to do that. So should be a pretty good game. I, I would expect a, a low scoring matchup, but um, yeah, but we'll see. Yeah. I mean, as, as you were saying, if, if, if you're,
0: if you want to try to beat the Falcons, it's going to have to be by slowing the game down because you're not going to outrun them. So uh, they get Bo gets most of its points in transition take care of the basketball which is easier said than done when you have Defenders in your face the entire game and the entire time you're bringing the ball up the floor but I think that's also why it's important to make shots early don't let Bo set up their press mm-hmm. and uh be able to set your defense up because uh we haven't really seen the Falcons have to climb out of a hole they've kind of been they kind of out of the gates right away to an early lead every time. And then the opponent's just in a tough spot because Bo can set up its press. So, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect a, a lot of offense in uh, in Wednesday's game either. That semifinal will also be held at Sanborn high school, seven 30 on Wednesday night. Dan mentioned uh, I Just wanted to uh, uh, and uh, put a, put a bow on the other area girls teams whose seasons came to an end Number 12 John Stark lost to Laconia 59-44 and number 13 Bishop Brady lost to Hanover the four seed 51 to 30. And then Division 1 girls, we had won we only have one team in Division 1, Concord. Uh Concord girls team had beaten number 8 Dover 46-42 in the first round on Wednesday but then lost to number 1 Bishop Girton, on Friday night 66-48. Score a little bit deceptive. Concord led after the first quarter game was tied at halftime. But then it was kind of a matter of fourth quarter, Bishop Gerton, the more talented team, Concord was not able to keep up with them.
1: Yeah. I and mean, at one point it was in the middle of the fourth quarter, a, uh, Concord was up 15-5 to five at one point, so they had a 10-point lead to open the game. Concord uh, shot the ball very well from long range. Uh, the Tide hit four three-pointers in that opening quarter to kind of build up the lead a little bit. Um, but Bishop Gurton's number one, they're undefeated for a reason, and, and really they just ran out of gas. It was an eight-point game heading into the fourth quarter. Um, so, again, as you said, the final score, a little deceptive. Um, but yeah, really just really hard to play with, with a talented team like Bishop Girton for a full 32 minutes. But Rob Darrell did say he was he was pleased with their full effort for a 32-minute game, which is something that's kind of been a, a theme that he's mentioned in a lot of his interviews with you. I know is is you know I'm getting the team to play a full 32 minutes, and he was pleased with how they played for the full 32 minutes. Um really for the most of it, we're right there. I mean, really up until the final quarter um, when, when you know, Bishop Gurton started to open the lead.
0: So Concord finishes its season with that loss to Bishop Gurton. Let's move over to girls hockey playoffs. We had a double local matchup on Friday in the girls hockey quarterfinals between number four, Bishop Brady, Trinity Londonderry and number five, Concord. As they like to call themselves, BLT beat Concord five to two at JFK Coliseum Friday late afternoon, and will advance to play number one Bishop Gerton at Everett Arena on Tuesday. Brady uh, scored four unanswered goals in that game after trailing two to one at the end of the first period. Tough way to end the season for Concord. Uh, I'd want to talk about them first because they had a ten-game win streak in the middle of the season. And then finished the year, I believe, losing four of its final six games. so Or three of its last uh, five games. I forget exactly because I've been doing so much math lately. Um, (laughs) uh, But either way, they kind of peaked maybe a little bit too early and then did not hit their best. But as as we kind of expected, these were two pretty evenly matched teams, as indicated by the fact that it was the 4-5 matchup. Uh, Concord had beaten brady brady's co-op four to one in mid-january when they played but lots has changed since then and then the thing that really is impressive about what uh dan early and and uh brady trinity londonderry are doing is they only have 11 girls on their team and and hockey i mean we talked about we've i think we talked a little bit about conquer christian's girls basketball team last week only having having seven players well 11 hockey players is tough when you're rolling lines? Cause I think coach early said that he uses one and a quarter lines. I don't really know how the math works out. Cause there's only three players on a, on a Yeah, It, but... it
1: looks like they were, they were maybe subbing off one or two skaters at a time. They weren't really doing line changes. They would yeah. kind of like, like you would see in like, I don't know, like soccer or basketball, just kind of sending skaters onto the ice that way. But um, Concord coach Tim Herbert after, after the game was very complimentary of, of, coach early and what he was able to do and really what it came down to was they just had a defensive game plan that worked for them and blt executed it better they just kept the puck away from the net they kept players out of the they kept players out of the slot they kept players away from the crease and it's hard to score goals and you can't get players of the puck near near the net um, and and Bishop Brady has a uh, very skilled uh, skaters uh, on that top line who can really go coast to coast and get the puck down the ice and into the net when they need to. So it's a pretty good, pretty good formula to win. Um, I, you know, again, Coach Herbert, very complimentary of, of how Bishop Brady played that game and, and sort of their defensive scheme. And Coach early said, you know, defense first. That's what, that's what you have to do when you have, when you have so few players. Um, I did get a, a tip from the Nashua Telegraph reporter, Tom King, that when Bishop Girton and Bishop Brady played a, a couple of weeks ago, Bishop Girton was without their best player who was on a school trip. Mm-hmm. Um, that player was also not in the uh, quarterfinal game that Bishop Girton had. So we'll see how that the additional personnel or, uh, who are missing from the previous matchup, how that impacts things on Tuesday night. But really for Brady, couldn't have worked out any better. They effectively get a home game um, at Everett Arena uh, in Concord for a, a chance to go to the championship. And I uh, just wanted to you know, congratulate Brady regardless of how Tuesday goes. This is their first Final Four since 2016. Um, so really a, a good uh, good step forward for the program.
0: Well, speaking of Everett Arena, uh, Concord boys hockey was there on Saturday night and the Tide took down number nine, Keene, four to one in a game that Concord pretty much dominated from start to finish, even though it was a tie game at the end of the first quarter and first period. Uh, Concord outshot the Blackbirds 31 to four for the entire game in which uh, during which Brooks Craig scored a hat trick and broke the single season points record. His goal in his first goal of the game that came in the second period was his 64th point of the year. So he's probably has a couple other records he could break in the the last two games should Concord advance to the championship. Um, But, you know, for the Tide, Dan, it's not often that you talk to Dunk Walsh after a game, even a win, and he's very satisfied, but it seems like he was pretty satisfied with how the Tide played on Saturday. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, I mean, really, his his whole thing is that, you know, they need to stay sharp and just not make mistakes. And I think he's, you know, the, the tired or confident that, you know, on in general, in a vacuum, they are the best team. Um, but, you know, good teams can still make mistakes. And and sometimes it only takes a mistake or two that can really change the the outcome of a game. And um, Concord really only had one mistake. It was a, a giveaway. Uh, in their own zone that Keen took advantage of to score the game tying goal in in the at the very end of the first period um to make it one1 before Brooks scored two goals in the in the second period to close that one effectively close that one out um but really he's you know he's he's pretty happy with uh where they're at they didn't make many mistakes they they shut Keane down very well Concord's top line um produced a lot of goals and Yeah, pretty solid throughout. Uh, Concord will play the winner of Bedford or Trinity, a game that was postponed by two days due to the weather. So they don't play until um, Monday before uh, facing off against Concord and Wednesday semifinal. So certainly uh, that a move in favor of the tide, um, having more rest. than Bedford and Trinity that should be a a pretty well evenly matched game with with two very strong opponents who have both historically been very strong and and have played well against Concord in the past. So uh, that's definitely something that favors Concord having more rest. Um, but yeah, like you said, coach Walsh was, you know, pretty pleased with, with how the team played, but yeah. You know, and then he knows they know what to do. You know, it's just a matter of executing at this point and, and not making mistakes and playing the way that they know they're capable of. And
0: Concord also familiarity with both potential opponents on Wednesday played Bedford twice and Trinity twice beat Bedford five, nothing and three, two in the two meetings and beat Trinity six, three and eight, two. So, uh, tied, obviously undefeated this year, and uh, have played each of the two their two possible opponents twice um, in the regular season. Also wanted to mention D three boys hockey. Uh, the Pembroke Campbell uh, hockey co op beat number six Kennett four two to advance the semifinals. They will play uh, on Wednesday against uh, Berlin Gorham, the number two team in D three. Dan, any other uh, notes you want to mention before we wrap up the podcast?
1: Um, it's one of the highlight. I was at the Pembroke Campbell game. I had not seen them play this year, so it was good to finally uh, see them. Uh, and and they played very well. This is a big. This is a big win um, for the program. They've been they've been eliminated in the quarterfinals in each of the last two seasons. Last year in overtime, so this is a big win. Uh, you could tell that uh, the pack. Pembroke Academy Campbell, or this their PAC or the PAC, uh, were very happy with how uh they they finally broke through. Um, Coach Mark DeWell did comment, you know, they need to clean some things up. They they had some penalties that uh weren't 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 necessary, that uh could have cost them. Um, ultimately did not. Pembroke Academy uh Campbell very well, uh did very well on the special teams, both penalty kill and on the power play. Um but uh, So definitely some things to clean up, especially heading uh, into a game against a tough semifinal opponent. My only other note from the weekend is one of the highlight co-brown Northwood Academies Aiden Cox winning the mile at the New England Championships for boys indoor track. Again, a, a meet that has not been held for a couple of years um, due to COVID and, and issues with with venues, New Hampshire, I was not able to hold a competitive season, but, uh, you know, Aiden Cox picking up where he left off with cross country, uh, you know, breaking a couple of records uh, at the Division II championships and then uh, another New England title to add to his collection. All right. So that will wrap
0: up this edition of the Monitor Sports Podcast. Ford area team's uh, actually five area teams playing in uh semifinals this week that we talked about Pembroke boys on Tuesday at Sanborn high school in Oyster river bow girls basketball on Wednesday against uh, Laco- uh, Laconia Laconia yes knew it was an L school uh, the and then uh, Concord boys hockey will face either Bedford or Trinity depending on what happens in that quarterfinal and uh, Bishop Brady Girls co-op will face Bishop Girton. Pembroke Campbell will play Berlin Gorham as well. So that'll do it for the Monitor Sports Podcast. For Danatori. I'm Eric Vincent label Thanks for joining us. We'll be back next week.